Welcome to episode three of the music that, wait, no, this is not what I wanted to be. <laughs> Hi friends, welcome to episode three of Not Your Average Music Therapist, a podcast where I did not create a little jingle to tell you that we're on episode number three <laughs> because I stopped myself before I got there. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So today, well, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I would love to hear where you are in the world. Um, and do I know you? Are we complete strangers? Is this um, the first time we're meeting or are we best friends? I, I'm so interested to see uh, who's listening in and where you are in the world. I love meeting people from different places in the world who have various backgrounds, um, people who are from different countries, different states, and whose life has looked a lot different or maybe even a very similar to mine. So I'm so glad you're here. And let's get talking. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about leaving the field of music therapy. Oh my gosh, it's like the worst thing that we could ever talk about. How can we even say it out loud? Leaving the field, leaving the field, not doing music therapy anymore, leaving the field. So I want to talk about the feeling associated with it. And I want to tell you a little bit about starting my calligraphy business and then working at a boutique and finding balance. And my hope for you and for really anyone who goes into the music therapy field. I remember early on as a new music therapist, starting to experience my first challenges and difficulties and weird things that I was not prepared to handle, um, things that my music therapy professors did not tell me about, <laughs> like naked people running across the room and classrooms that had no structure or discipline and not getting paid enough and music therapists with weird attitudes and music therapists who were always happy. <laughs> um, there were so many challenges that I faced early on and I did not have the right supervision in place to handle said challenges. And I think that was the first time I thought about leaving the field. I'm sure this will come up in other episodes, but I remember when I was first married, I was working a contract-like job for a music therapy department and there was not really much structure set up for planning and preparation. And so I did all of that at home late at night for hours and hours and hours to prep for the next day's sessions or the next few days' sessions. And I was newly married, and I remember my 
new husband at the time saying this, and it's like etched in my memory. But he said, is this always how it's going to be? He was talking about me working for hours and hours and hours and always bringing my work home with me and never, um, like I, I wasn't off when I was home. I was still doing my work forever. There was no separation between work and home life. And when he said that, it just, it crushed my soul. Like I think about it now and it's like bringing tears back to my eyes because it it felt like I was doing an injustice to our relationship because I was putting my music therapy work before us because it just felt like I had to. It felt like I had no other choice but to do that. But I, I thought, you know, like, there's got to be another way. It's got to be different. And I I think that that may have been the first time when I thought about leaving the field. Like, okay, you know, maybe it can't change. Maybe this is how it's always going to be. And then as the years went on, I knew many other people who started in the music therapy field and then left. You know, I, I have a good friend who was in the music therapy field for years, maybe 10 years doing music therapy. And then I guess at that 10-year mark, she just called it quits. She's like, I can't do this anymore. And she felt like she had to leave or she had to move on to something different, something better to have a meaningful and fulfilling life or or just a, a job that valued her. I have a friend who left the field pretty early on in her time who left. Like, I remember asking her why, and she's like, you know that feeling days or hours before your music therapy session where you just don't feel settled and you feel nervous, and it's like you don't want to do the music therapy session. But then you do the music therapy session, and it's great, and it feels awesome, And you love the work that you're doing when you're in the session. But then outside of the sessions, you just don't feel great about it. She didn't, she couldn't handle those feelings so much so that she felt like she had to leave the field. I also have a few friends who had gone through some major challenges within their jobs, whether it be because of the clients, because of the facilities, because of the structure of the system that they were working for. And they just did not want to put up with it anymore and had to leave the field because of that. Or music therapists who have such bad encounters with other music therapists that it's like, why am I even doing this work if other people who are doing this same work are going to be like that? And then I know other people who have gone on to different kinds of work because they're passionate about those different things. I know someone who went on to become a speech therapist, and I know someone who went on to become a healthcare administrator, nursing home administrator, or a rec therapy department head. I know a friend who 
I know several people who went on to become social workers or mental health counselors. There are some people who went on to become performers because they loved performing so much and their music therapy work wasn't fulfilling that part of them. It's no secret that music therapists have left the field and gone on to different things. And I think it's okay to face that and be like, okay, you know, people can study for years and years and years and then decide not to continue that work. I remember it was really eye-opening early on when the people that I saw leaving the field of music therapy had been the very same people in school who were like uh, the music therapy club presidents. I was like, wait a second. If you, the person who was most passionate about music therapy when we were in school, couldn't keep going in this field, how how am I going to make it? Oh, it's such a such a heavy thing to face. Like if the person who seemed to love this work the most out of anyone else had to leave the field, how am I going to stick around and love it enough to stay? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it was a weird feeling to see the people around me, the people that had been my closest classmates in school and the people that I just expected to go on to become like the best music therapist in the world, leave the field. It was so weird. And then I was like, okay, is, is that is that what's going to happen to me too? Am I got am I going to get to a breaking point? where I just can't handle the difficulties and challenges anymore and I need to leave. But then if you think about it a a different way, can we accept the difficulties and challenges and keep going? You know, can we have both together? I know in therapy, talking about mental health and um, I live with anxiety. And when my therapist talks about it, she always brings up how the thing that will help you keep going the most with living, you know, living with anxiety is when you accept it. So I wonder if it's not so much about um, rising above the challenges or making difficulties not as difficult, but it's rather accepting that there will be challenges and that there will be difficulties. And that's kind of the norm if that's going to be the thing that will keep us going. So the way that I look at it is I would love to see the people leaving the field, leaving it because they feel called or they feel led to some other kind of work, not because the situation is so toxic and so bad that they just have to get out of the field altogether. So... You know, my hope is that we can make a way for the music therapists who come after us. We can make a way where they won't have to go through the same difficulties and the same challenges. And we can stay in this field that we love if we truly do love the work and want to do this work. And honestly, this is a huge reason why I started this podcast 
and why I start the <laughs> the honest conversations that I start on social media because I want to see people enjoying their work and staying in the field of music therapy if they truly want to stay, um, if they do like the work that they're doing or if they do like the idea of doing music therapy and maybe they think that they're just not in the right area of work or the right setting or the right place. I'll have to tell you more about this another on another episode, but my friend and I spoke at Passages one year when we were new professionals and we talked all about our presentation was called Searching for Style, Self-Discovery of a New Music Therapist. And it was all about finding your way and finding the place that feels best for you, the kind of work that feels best. So I'll go into that more um, another time, but I'm hoping that music therapists, especially new music therapists, can see or can feel the difference when they want to leave the field because of the challenges or because they just don't really like the work. Because it could be a difference of getting a new job, creating a business, working with a different clientele, you know, working with older adults instead of children or vice versa. I, I guess I'm saying that I, I, I just don't want to see more music therapists leaving the field because of bad situations that could be avoided or that could be overcome. But I do want to say, if you feel called to a different field, a different line of work, doing other things, you have the permission to leave the field of music therapy. Or honestly, if it's just too much for you to deal with the difficulties of this field and you just can't put in the work anymore, it's okay to leave. It's okay to move on to something else. Like, let's put that out there. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to leave. So I want to tell you a little bit about starting a calligraphy business and what that was like for me. I had gone through a situation where things weren't working out for me with a music therapy job and things weren't lining up and things weren't panning out the way that I thought they would. And I got into a little situation with another music therapist and it was just best for me to leave the situation. So because of everything that had happened, I felt really burnt out. It was really heavy on me. It weighed on me. It was so, so upsetting. And I just felt like I couldn't do music therapy work after that, at least for a little while. So I wound, oh, and this was also after a huge move. We had just moved across country, across the country, and um, were already going through so much transition because of that. So I, in this time of music therapy burnout and trying to figure out my life, I um, had gotten some traction on doing calligraphy. I have been a crafty person my whole life. Um, I always used to do bubble letters in my notebooks growing up, and I had been super interested in calligraphy and what I what 
what I did was I would study the letters of calligraphy that I thought was cool. And I'm like, how do they make that? How, how do they make the lines the way that they make them? And so I figured it out and started doing calligraphy in this fake way people call faux calligraphy, where it's essentially you're making bubble letters out of the style of calligraphy and then filling it in. Um, and if you're interested in figuring that out, like send me a message and I'll show you how to do it. But then I, I expanded on that and got into um, chalkboard writing, chalk lettering, and the traditional pointed pen or dip pen calligraphy, which is like the little metal tip that you dip in the ink. And I got into that kind of calligraphy. And before I knew it, I had this business of calligraphy. And, you know, it's been a, a pretty popular thing for years now. And so people wanted the calligraphy, they were looking for it. And I had a lot of commissions coming my way. So I find I found myself doing these elaborate pieces for weddings and for coffee shops and cafes and for um, local gyms, fitness centers, and Christmas or holiday presents for all of my friends and family and anyone who needed a unique calligraphy type gift. And I was immersed in this world of calligraphy and being an artist. It was actually a really interesting time when I had to accept and, and kind of own the title of artist because I had only had this title of music therapist for years and now I shifted everything and I, I mean, I think I've always been an artist, but I really owned that at this point in life. So I was doing all things calligraphy and I remember spending hours mapping out what a calligraphy board or chalkboard would look like and then going up to the chalkboard and writing it and spending hours beautifying this wall of whatever it was, a cafe or fitness center or whatever. And I got to this place where I felt like chalkboards were my best friend. It's like I had a relationship with chalkboards. I knew how they felt to the touch. I knew what would happen when I put real chalk on the board, I knew what it felt like to put a marker up to the board. I knew the difference between a real chalkboard and a painted chalkboard and how to erase each of them and what the proper way was to fix my mistakes and, and what materials would help me fix those mistakes and how I could keep going and how to measure out the chalkboard with all the writing. But then what I came to notice was that I didn't want chalkboards to be my best friend. I didn't want chalkboards or walls to be the thing that I was looking at for hours upon hours of my days. I was getting really unsettled with spending my time pen on paper and having that be the biggest part of my day. I really, 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 really missed people and seeing people and working with people as my day-to-day -day job. And so there was this moment where 
I was immersed in the world of calligraphy and my business was growing and I was, you know, doing the things that a professional calligrapher would do as their work. You know, the the chalkboards, the painted walls, the um, craft fairs, selling items, having an Etsy shop, you know, all the things that you would think, doing weddings. Um, and then I just, I felt so unsettled. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, yeah. Like I have to be honest with myself. Maybe calligraphy is not the end. Maybe I do really still want to be a music therapist and do music therapy. And then when I think about having a music therapy job too, I want to remind myself, okay, music therapy doesn't have to be the end. Music therapy doesn't have to be the only thing I do. So in this time, I felt called back to music therapy. It's almost like I left it. I, I took a break and I just totally walked away. But then I felt it calling me back and like kind of pulling me in. I wish you could see my hands. I'm like pulling at myself. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, I, I really do want to me- do music therapy. But this time around, I have to speak up for what I think is right. And I have to not settle for the low paying jobs or the toxic environments or the hours upon hours upon hours of work outside of my work day. Like something's got to give. If I'm going to stay in this field, something's got to give. Something has to change for me to feel okay being a music therapist and staying within this field. So I realized that, uh, you know, if I was going to stay in, in the field of music therapy, I really did have to honor those other things in my life that I enjoyed because I couldn't get all of my fulfillment from just music therapy work. And it's funny when you think about being a student, you know, your world is wrapped up in music therapy and it's so exciting and everything is so new and seeing music therapy in action and and the magical moments that can happen are so cool and so intriguing. And it's like, yes, this is all I want to do with my life. And then there might be these points where you're like, okay, this kind of feels like a job now. Like it's a little mundane. Or you find yourself facing challenge after challenge after challenge. And there's a moment where you realize, okay, music therapy is not the end. Music therapy is not all there is to my life or my career or my world. And you have to find balance out of that. You have to find the other things in your life that you love and do those things. So I feel like my journey, and there's so much more that I am looking forward to sharing with you, but I I, I found that my journey has been kind of like a pendulum. It's like all music therapy or no music therapy. And then I, you know, I had that long-term care job and it was all music therapy again. And then I stood up for my rate of pay and then it was no music therapy. And it's like, how can I find this balance of doing music therapy work, but not getting, not letting it consume and overwhelm my life? So there's a beautiful moment 
where I um, started my music therapy business, but then I needed some extra income. And then I found myself in this place of a beautiful balance of meaningful music therapy work and also meaningful not music therapy work. And it was a balance of two things that I loved in my life. So I started working at this local boutique. And um, not only did I do, um, uh, not only was I a sales sales associate there, I actually started working with the company because um, I was modeling with them. They just like put out a random call for models. And I'm like, you know, I think that would be really fun. And I'm not a real model. I have zero training. So what's the worst that can happen? They can say no. Or they can say, you know, you're not tall enough or you're not, you don't have the right body type or you're not the look that we want. Um, you know, it's the worst that they could say. And so I went after it. They called me back and I started modeling for this boutique. And it was so fun. I loved trying on new clothes. Um, and I loved being in front of the camera and figuring out this these poses and these moves um, to make the clothes look the best that they could. And then after a little while, I started working at the boutique as a sales associate. And I, I was falling in love with the world of fashion. And, you know, there are so many issues with fashion. And there are so many things that I did not like with retail. <laughs> but there was a part of me that was feeling fulfilled and my life felt balanced. And I think it felt balanced because I had my hands in a lot of different things. And maybe that's just me, but I like having variety in my life and doing multiple different things. And I thought it was the coolest thing when in a given day, I was doing a group at, I I was doing music therapy for a group in memory care And then I was modeling and then I was going to the hospital and working with a cardiac ICU patient. And then the next day I was doing a conference with the Alzheimer's Association. And then the afternoon I was working at the boutique and meeting people and helping them find the best, you know, dress for them. It was just, it was the coolest thing. And another thing that happened around that same time was I met a therapist online through some other work I was doing. And she's a mental health counselor, I believe. I believe that's her title. But she's also in love with the world of fashion. And so she started doing her work in this way to empower women to feel confident and comfortable, especially when they are putting themselves out there in the world, whether it's for their job, whether it's because they're going on a date, whether it's because they have a um, presentation or speaking engagement to do. And so she's called the Chic Therapist. And it's all about empowering women and showing them how to feel the best, how to feel most empowered within their own skin by what they put on their bodies, by what they wear, um, by the colors, especially she does a lot of color work. So by the colors that they wear. And I thought, how cool is that? You just, you just joined your two passions. You know, you are, you are um, a licensed therapist and then you're also really interested in the fashion world and you studied how those two things can come together. And I thought that was the, the coolest way to find balance. And 
I was also super intrigued because I was immersed in that world of fashion, being at the boutique at that time of life. And so your passions, the things that you love in life don't have to blend as beautifully as the chic therapist. (laughs) You don't have to do music therapy and all these other things like at the same time or together. But I, I do think that what we need to do is honor those other areas of life that are important to us or that we are passionate about or that we love and do those things too. So I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but maybe there can be balance. And I think I want to say this again. If you feel called, if you feel led to explore another field or to dive into another field to get another certification or another degree in something different, by all means, You should honor that and follow that. You should go after those things that you are passionate about. And I also want to say this too. If you don't have the passion to continue in a field where you have to regularly advocate for the field, it's okay to walk away. So whatever you feel is best for your soul, it is okay. If you need to leave the field because it's overwhelming, it's too much to handle, you are so tired of getting the question, what is music therapy? (laughs) Then by all means, it's okay to leave the field. And I think it's also okay to get comfortable with the difficulties and the challenges that we face. We probably, if we're going to stay in the field of music therapy, we should probably get comfortable with people asking us what is music therapy and having that advocacy piece be a regular part of the work that we do day in and day out. And I think most of all, it is so important to find balance in our work and in our lives So whether that means working with older adults and working with children or having a full-time music therapy job and doing calligraphy on the side, or maybe it's you have a part-time music therapy job or you're doing music therapy as your own business or your own practice part-time and then part-time you have another job in a totally different field or maybe it's a related field and you just like that work too. That's really cool too. We have to find balance or else we're just going to fall apart or we're going to just keep going on these same bad cycles that we've, that we've been on. So I think it's, it's really important for us to look within and, and see what are we truly passionate about and am I wanting to leave the field of music therapy because I don't like using music for wellness to help other people with with wellness anymore or do I want to leave the field just because the circumstances really suck (laughs) and is there something that I can do about that you know do I need to leave this job find a new job start a practice start a business or do I need just a different creative outlet on the side or 
a retail job just for fun or a desk job so that I can make ends meet so that I can do music therapy only five to 10 hours a week because that feels fulfilling to me. So I hope you feel a little better if you too have ever asked the question, should I leave the field of music therapy? I think it's okay to be honest about it and we should talk about it. You know, I've, I found that the, the most validating times of my music therapy career have been those times when I have been really, really honest with other music therapists and those other music therapists said, me too. Like, yes, I have been there too. Yes, I have asked that question too. Yes, I have felt that too. We have to be more honest with each other so that we don't just leave the field because of burnout or we we don't just like leave our passions behind because we're so overwhelmed with with the challenges. And if you really are passionate about something else, it is okay. And actually, it is good for you to leave the field of music therapy or for you to not do music therapy full-time. You have permission. You don't have to stay in the field. It is, it is good for you to move on if it feels right to move on. So thank you for being here again. Episode number three. This is so fun. And I love connecting with you in this way and talking about these difficult things that maybe are not brought up as much as they could be within this field. And maybe if you've felt like not the average music therapist because you've wanted to leave the field, well, I guess I'm here to say I, I'm i there too. <laughs> and maybe we are the average music therapist because we all have asked that question before or, or felt that way before. And I'm hoping that through this podcast, we can talk with more people in our field and around our field who have come up against these same challenges and difficulties and hear their stories around it. You know, when you felt like leaving the field, what did you do? What did it look like for you? How long did it take you to ask that question or to finally leave the field because it didn't feel right? And how does it feel now not being in the field? Or how does it feel now doing music therapy halftime and doing something else halftime? Or how does it feel doing music therapy and starting your own cool side business? I'm so excited to dive into these things and talk with more people about these topics so that we feel less alone. I think that's the biggest reason for starting this podcast is so that um, if you feel like not the average music therapist, you'll, you'll know that you're not alone in that feeling. So thanks again for being here and I'll catch you next time.